Well, as you grab your seat, if you want to move, uh, uh, open up your Bible to Joshua chapter 6, um, that is where we are going to be starting this morning. My name's Scott. I'm one of the pastors here, and it's a privilege to be able to share God's Word with you. Um, my younger brother is an avid rock climber. I mean, this guy is into rock climbing. And so for months, he's been asking me, saying, Scott, you've got to bring the boys. You have to come up to Sacramento and go rock climbing with us. And so he works out at this rock climbing gym up in Sacramento. And and they'll have a picture of it in just a second. And as we walk into this place and you look at these arches and these people literally hanging backwards over this open area, it takes my breath away, but not in a good way. Because in fact, as I look at those walls and I start thinking, it is a little bit intimidating. And so we go in there and uh, they have us fill out every form in the world, signing my life away and all of my children's lives away. And as we finish that up, they give us these harnesses and we head in there. And so me being the good dad that I am, I let my oldest son go first. So we get him hooked onto the wall, and, and he literally just doot, 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 doot. He's a natural. Makes it up this wall 20 feet like nothing. So then, still being the good dad, okay, I'll let my other son go as well. And so my seven-year-old son, once again, gets hooked in, and boop, 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 boop. In no time at all, he's all the way to the top of that wall. And my brother looks over at my boys. He looks at me, and he says, all right, well, that was the easy wall. Let's take dad over here, and let's have him try this one out. And so I I was excited, cautiously excited. And so as I get over to this wall and and he hooks me into the belay system, I look up at this wall and it's not a straight up and down wall. It's a wall that comes backwards towards me. And it was in that moment that I started to get intimidated. And as I look at my younger brother and dumbly I ask him, well, hi, how high, how high is this wall? And he looks at me and says, oh, it's only 40 feet which is taller than the ceiling in here by another about 12 feet. And so in that moment, I start climbing and my palms start getting sweaty um, because here's the thing. I'm not necessarily afraid of heights, but if you don't have to go that high, why go, right? (laughs) So I start climbing and the way that it works, you can see in this picture is there's these color-coded things, these grabs. And so you follow the path according to the color. So I make it about three quarters of the way up and I have one hand over here. I have one leg like this and I'm literally going to have to pop myself up to grab the next one. And it's in that moment that I'm stretched out as far as I can that I look down. And the whole time that 40 foot height is just echoing through my mind. And as I look down, I kind of stop. And my brother, being a younger brother, from the bottom down there, yells at the top of his lungs, Let's go, you pansy! (laughs) There is nowhere for me to go at that moment but up. But the problem was, I was stuck. I was scared. That wall owned me. And as we look at the text today and as we continue on in our story this morning, our series of my story as his story, we're going to look at the story of Joshua and the Israelites as they conquered the walls of Jericho. And for them, those walls were so intimidating just as those walls at the rock climbing gym were intimidating for me. By the way, I made it to the top and laughed at him when I came down. Yeah! 
So um, let me set the story up for you where we're at historically. The people of Israel have just crossed over the Jordan River into the land of Canaan. We read that in in Joshua chapter 3. This was the land of milk and honey that had been promised to Abraham um, over 500 years earlier. The Israelites had just spent 40 difficult years literally wandering through the desert of Sinai. The people of Israel were on the eastern banks of the Jordan River, and their challenge in this moment was to take the land of Canaan, the promised land. However, right there in front of them was their first obstacle, which was the city of Jericho, an unconquerable walled city. And that's where we pick up our text this morning in Joshua chapter 6, verse 1. Now Jericho was shut up inside and outside because of the people of Israel. None went out and none went in. Let's stop there for a moment. The city was fortified. And in fact, scripture says that they knew that the Israelites were out there. So they barred the doors. They kept everyone inside the security of the walls and they let nobody out and they let nobody in. Listen to how archaeologists describe um, that area, how that city was fortified. Um, The Tell of Jericho, which is a fancy word for a man-made mound that a wall was going to be on. In fact, we'll see a picture here. And so as you see the little grainy people at the very bottom, that's the ground level. The next wall that's right next to them was a wall that was about 12 to 15 feet high. Built on top of that wall was a, a giant thick mud brick wall that was six feet wide and another 20 to 26 feet tall. So we're now looking at almost the top of our sanctuary. On top of that mud brick wall, you go on the slant, is another brick wall whose base was roughly 46 feet above ground level where somebody on the outside of the wall would be. Understand, when you look at Jericho, it wasn't a huge city. In fact, you could march around that city in about an hour's time. It wasn't the size of Jericho that was intimidating. It was the size of the walls. See, while the, the humanly speaking, the walls of Jericho, they were impossible for them to ever be able to conquer the fortress of Jericho. See, for the Israelites, that wall had to have been so intimidating. And as we think about us and our lives as well, we also face walls that are just as intimidating. They're not made out of brick or stone or earth. But take and talk to somebody who has just found out that they have a terminal disease. Ask them how the big that wall is in their life. Talk to somebody that is dealing with the financial stress or strain of, of their finances and ask them if they can see the light on the other side of the wall in their lives. Talk to somebody that's dealing with, finan- or dealing with marital issues. Maybe they're separated or on the road to divorce. Ask them how big the wall is between them and their spouse. See, every one of us in our lives, in one way or another, are dealing with walls in our lives. Maybe for you, your wall is a very personal in nature. Maybe for years, if not decades, you've been struggling with a secret sin. And that secret sin has built one brick after another after another, a wall between you and God and those that you love most. Maybe the sin or maybe the wall that you're dealing with is one that is relational in nature. Maybe it's between you and a family member, a child, an adult child, or someone else in your family. And as a result of what has gone on between the two of you, there's a wall that is so big that there's no way that you can see their perspective because the wall is so tall. Maybe the wall that you're facing is generational. 
And generation after generation after generation, your family has dealt with different things. Maybe it's divorce, maybe it's alcoholism. I don't know what it is for you. But maybe those things are the walls that have been created in your life. So this morning, as we wrestle with the Jericho of our own individual lives, I want to share with you a few ways that we get held back from seeing God's victory over those walls. And they're fill-ins on your outline. And the first one is this. Sometimes our first problem is that our problems block our perspective. See, when you look at it from Joshua and the Israelites, from their perspective, those walls of Jericho were a losing battle. As sometimes when we look at the walls in our lives, we think that as well. We start with a defeated mindset. See, some of the things that are happening in your life, maybe it's the stresses, maybe it's the anxiety, maybe it's the difficulty, maybe it's the fact that you're unemployed. I don't know what it is for you, but you have obstacles in your life. It's not that they're bigger than you. It's that your perspective gets blocked because of the walls in your life. In ancient warfare, when cities like Jericho were to be taken in war, there are a few ways that would happen. Most often an, an army would go and surround the city and they would literally just wait the people out. They would starve them to death. Sometimes invaders would want to speed up the process. And so they would start to break the walls and try to pull out the stone, start to dig underneath. Other times they would literally start bringing in dirt after dirt after dirt and build a mound so that they could climb over the walls. In all of those instances, it would take a long time, and that attacking army would deal with all kinds of casualties as a result of their impending attack. But yet, when we look at Scripture, when we look at what God's Word says that the Israelites were supposed to do, it was completely against any kind of warfare at the time. In fact, it's one that at times, it makes you scratch your head, because it wasn't the Israelites that were going to win this battle. It was God Himself. Pick up the text in verse 2. And look at what scripture says. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand with its king and mighty men of valor. Wait a minute. One verse ago, we just read about the fact that those walls were barred in, that nobody came in and nobody came out. But one verse later, only one verse later, only a few words later, we see that God is saying, Wait, I'm going to deliver Jericho into your hands. See, it's only our God that can speak in the past tense about a battle that has not been waged yet. In essence, what our God was saying to the Israelites and what our God is saying to every single one of us today is those walls will not hold me back. Those walls are not bigger than I am. God is saying to you and he's saying to me, do you trust me enough to look beyond your perspective and see over those walls? walls. In verse 2, there's a word there, and it's the word see. That word see comes from the Hebrew word ra'ah, and it means to envision something, to see beyond your present reality, to see something as it can and will be. God's call for the Joshua was to envision the fall of Jericho, not based on Israel's might and power, but upon God himself, as he declared to Joshua, see, envision it, it is going to be. I have given Jericho into your hands. Notice the first part of verse two. It says, and the Lord said to Joshua. 
Let's rewind just a few verses back into chapter 5, verses 13 through 15. And look at what that passage says. When Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted his eyes and he looked. And behold, a man was standing before him with his drawn sword in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us or for our adversaries? And he said to him, No, I am the commander of the army of the Lord. Now I have come. And Joshua fell on his face and worshipped and said to him, What does my Lord say to his servant? And the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, Take off your sandals from your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. See, the interesting thing is that when our perspective is blocked, we see things with this narrow little scope. Joshua comes up to a man as he's kind of seeing what this battle is going to look like, what those walls are going to look like. He comes up to a man standing there holding a sword in his hand. And not knowing who that man was, Joshua looks at him eye to eye, man to man, and he says, are you for us or are you against us? It's as if in that moment, Joshua was trying to decide, am I going to have to lay it down and fight or are you jumping on board with me? See, because for Joshua, from his perspective, the only thing in that moment that was on his mind was the battle that was about to be waged. But the response that Joshua received was quite different. The man standing there with a sword said, I am neither. I am the commander of the army of the Lord. And I love what Joshua responds by doing. Without a word, he falls down on his face and he worships the Lord that was appearing right before him. See, when we get so wrapped up in our own issues, when we get so wrapped up in our own problems, into the walls that we are facing in our lives, we can so easily miss that God is speaking and working in each of our individual lives. Friend, it's time for us to tell our problems how big our God is rather than letting our problems tell us how big they are. Joshua. Joshua, in a position of worship, inquired of him and said, what does my Lord say to his servant? Not God, look at the size of that wall. He said, what? does the Lord require of his servant? Can I ask you a question this morning? When was the last time that you, in reverent awe, asked God, what is it that you have to say to your servant today? See, when our perspective is blocked, when we're so focused on the walls of adversity, we might be talking to God, but not with God. The problem is that our conversations become one-sided and they come with an agenda. See, hear this, please. There is nothing wrong with us taking our walls of adversity, the stresses in our lives, and everything that we're facing to God. We should and we need to be doing that. But if we don't take the time to listen, if we don't take the time to seek out his will, we take part in a short-sighted conversation that we miss out on one of the biggest blessings of our amazing relationship with him, which is him pouring himself into us. See, here's the thing. Our walls or our problems hinder our worship. That's the next villain. Our problems hinder our worship. God responds by saying in verse 15, 
And the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, Take off the sandals from your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. You've heard that before. That's the exact same thing that God said to Moses. And in both instances, both men were in the presence of Almighty God. See, it's in moments like this where the battle is truly won. It's Joshua knew without a shadow of a doubt in that moment that God was with him, that God was for him, and that God was for his people. So what about you? As you face the walls of adversity in your life, rather than trying to scale them on the own, on your own, rather to trying to break them all by yourself, rather than trying to come up with your own plan, maybe we should take that step back. Maybe we should take a cue from Joshua to reverently fall before our God and ask him, God, what is it that you want to say to your servant? Do you know what happens when we do that? Rather than our perspective right on that wall, he opens our eyes and he opens our heart and he changes our perspective. Skip back to chapter six. Let's look at verse three and listen to the instructions that the Lord gives to Joshua. You shall march around the city, all the men of war going around the city once. Thus shall you do for six days. Very specifically in verses 4 and 5, he told Joshua that the seven priests were to carry trumpet horns, much like this one, uh, which would be called a shofar, of rams around the ark. Then on the seventh day, they were to march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. Then when they heard a long blast, somewhat like this... At that moment, all of the Israelites were to shout at the top of their lungs, and the walls would come crumbling down. And if anyone else were to hear those instructions but Joshua himself, if anyone else were about to go into battle against a fortress of a city, and they were to hear that the battle plan was quite simply, start marching, and for six days march, And on the seventh day, march around that city seven times, blow the horn of the trumpet as loud as you can, shout, and the walls will come crumbling down. To anybody else, that is utter foolishness. That is a death sentence. But for Joshua, it didn't seem crazy. It was logical because he had been connected to God in worship. Let me unpack what they were about to do. Remember, Jericho wasn't necessarily the largest city. It was a city that you literally could march around in in about one hour's time. The marching that was going to take place was a significant thing. It was a ritual act signifying a siege was going to occur. The people on the other side would have surely known that they were out there and would have heard them as all of those people were coming around. Then they were to take and blow the ram's trumpet And they were to blow the trumpet, not making beautiful music. You heard it. It wasn't very beautiful. But the ram's trumpet was a horn that was a signal mechanism. The signal acted as both a military signal and it had spiritual significance as well. And then they were going to be victorious on the seventh day. And that number seven is a very significant one as it has ceremonial significance and it indicates a covenant between God and his people. Look at verse 6. 
So Joshua, the son of Nun, called the priests and said to them, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and let the seven priests bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Ark of the Lord. And he said to the people, Go forward, march around the city, and let the armed men pass on before the Ark of the Lord. The Israelites, after receiving the instructions from Joshua, they did exactly as he said. Imagine the scene for a moment. Thousands upon thousands upon thousands of feet marching, marching, marching around that city. And you have those seven ram horns and the... And from a distance, that sound had to have been kind of quiet. And as they got closer and closer to those walls, it had to have gotten louder and louder. And for those that were on the inside of the wall, it had to have been so intimidating because God's people are on the outside, because God's people came to claim what God had promised to them. So after receiving and reading all of these little details, it's real easy to skip over a very important part. In fact, as you read this passage from verses 8 to 14, it kind of repeats itself a couple of times as God gives the instructions to Joshua. But there's one piece of information here that is so significant to them, and it's so significant to us as well. And it talks about the seven priests carrying the seven trumpets with the ark of the Lord. See, the presence of the ark is significant because God himself was with them. God himself was the one that was going to win the battle. And it is God himself who is working in and through us to break down those walls in every one of our lives. Pick up in verse 10. But Joshua commanded the people, You shall not shout or make your voice heard. Neither shall any word go out of your mouth until the day I tell you to shout. Then you shall shout. Joshua told them, do not say a word until I tell you to say something. Think back. What was it that got the Israelites in trouble decades before? It was their grumbling and complaining. What is it that gets us in trouble today? It's our grumbling and it's our complaining. The next fill on in your outline is sometimes our mouths hold us back from seeing the victory over the walls in our lives. Maybe there are walls between you and your spouse today. While God has been breaking down those walls one word at a time, you're building them right back up. Wife, maybe it's the words that you use to your husband that are breaking him down rather than building him up. Husbands, maybe it's the tone that you use. Or maybe it's the lack of emotional connection that you have with your wife. You might speak, but there's no connection or love in what you have to say. Maybe the words that you use with a child. Maybe you feel that there's this huge wall between you and one of your children. But when you really start to think about it, all the things that you say to that child is how they are negative and they're bad rather than building them up. Maybe the wall between you and someone else, and maybe it's an adult child. Maybe that wall is so big because you've spent the whole time telling them what they're not rather than telling them what they are. Maybe... It's the words that you share in your workplace. Maybe all you have to say about your boss are just negative things. Maybe in your workplace you find all the issues there rather than being the person to unify everyone, to build everybody up and say, together we can do some amazing things. Do you know what the result of grumbling and complaining is? More walls, more wandering, 
more distance between you and God and more distance between you and those that God has called you to impact their lives for the sake of the gospel. Let me ask you a very quick and convicting question. How would your life be different if the words that came out of your mouth were used to build people for the sake of the gospel rather than grumbling and complaining? Joshua commanded the people in verse 10, You shall not shout or make your voice heard. Neither shall any word go out of your mouth until the day I tell you to shout. Then you shall shout. Verse 11. So he caused the ark of the Lord to circle the city, going about it once. And then they came into the camp and spent the night in the camp. Imagine for a moment the people. They had to have been so excited. After all of this wandering, after all that they had been through, the time was finally there. And Joshua gives them instructions. We are going to march around that city. They had to have been so pumped up like the beginning of a football game where Joshua, their coaches, all right, calm down, guys. Save some energy. Calm down. They had to have been so pumped up. But scripture says that they marched around that city one time and they came back to camp. Uh, If one of them would have had a Facebook account at that time, here's how I would imagine it would have said in the morning before they went out. Today is the day. We're finally going to do it. Joshua is rallying the troops. We're headed to Jericho. Those walls are intimidating, but we're ready for battle. Jericho, better watch out for the victory is going to be ours. Hashtag watch out Jericho. So imagine after them walking around the city one time, Imagine what that Facebook post would have been in the evening. We marched around Jericho today. Not much action. Got a lay for the land. Maybe Joshua wanted us to see the walls from every side so we'd be prepared. Tomorrow has to be the day. Tomorrow Jericho is going down. Here's to God's people. Hashtag here we come. Hashtag too excited to sleep. (laughs) But listen to what happens in verse 14. And the second day they marched around the city once and returned into camp. Imagine now on the second day, they've already gone around that city twice. If they were to post something on Facebook, it would say this, uh, we marched around the city again today. I think the people of Jericho are pretty scared right now. Joshua must not think we're ready yet. So we came back to camp. Hashtag anticlimactic. Hashtag same story, different day. (laughs) But listen to what verse 14 says. It says, so they did it for six more days. You can imagine on day one, they had to have been so excited. On day two, that excitement probably was still contagious. By days four and five, they're probably wondering, what are we doing? And by day six, discouragement starts to set in. I picture the Facebook post on day six more like this. The guy's head in front of me has an interesting bump on it. I don't think we'll ever get into Jerusalem or Jericho. The Israelites went marching on and on and on and on. Hashtag marching is boring. Hashtag going in circles. (laughs) See, here's the thing that we have to understand. The only person that knew that day seven was coming was Joshua. He never told the people the timeline. The people were getting restless. The people were losing hope. The people were starting to wonder, well, what is our purpose anyways? See, we get so easily discouraged when our progress isn't always obvious. We get so discouraged when our progress isn't always obvious. 
See, it's not like they were getting any progress update or anything. It's not like every day that they marched around the city that the wall would come down one foot at a time. Because if that happened, they wouldn't be discouraged. They would be encouraged to continue on the path and following the instructions. No, they marched around the city for six separate days and nothing happened from their perspective. When I was in high school, I was on the swim team. And uh, uh, as part of the, my bank of races I did, one of them was the 50, 500 free, which the 500 free is the most boring race that they have in high school swimming. It's 20 long, boring laps back and forth in a pool. And so even when you're in a race, it's very easy to start all excited and all jazzed up. And after uh, lap eight, sometimes you forget if it's lap eight or if it's lap 14. They just blend together because you're just basically going straight back and forth. And so the way that they do it in the race is they take after about lap 10, they have somebody, as you're getting close to the flip turn, they have this sign that they drop down in the water right as you're like this to turn number 10, number 11. And it's interesting, though, because when you get to lap about 15, you're thinking, man, I am the biggest sucker. I can't believe coach got me into this race. And by the time you get to number 16 and 17, you start to get a little bit excited because progress is being made. The finish is almost there, and this torture is going to be over with soon. By the time I would get to number 17, 18, 19, by the time I was at 19, I was going full bore because I knew that the finish line was close. I knew that I was going to end, and I knew that I wanted to win that race as much as I could. See, for me, I had a progress report. For the Israelites, at day six, they didn't know if there was going to be one more day or 40 more years. See, and for them, They were discouraged. And it's the same thing that happens in our lives. As we wrestle with the different walls in our lives, it can feel as though nothing is happening. Maybe for you it hasn't been days or even weeks. Maybe those walls have been months, if not years, if not decades. Where you've been waiting, you've been praying, you've been anticipating that God would start to knock down that wall in your life and you haven't seen anything happening. And as a result, at times, We want to throw our hands up and give in. I can imagine those Israelites in that moment that after six days, they're ready to give up. It's just another time of wandering, this time around a city. But what they didn't know in that moment was that they were on the breakthrough. They were about to win the battle and see our God being victorious in Jericho. And in the same way today, friend, I'm here to tell you a very simple message It's not to give up. Don't stop at day six because the seventh day is coming. Our God is working in your life for his purpose and he will be victorious if you don't give up. The friend, the message for you today is so simple. Don't stop at six. Listen to what happens. Skip down to verse 15. On the seventh day, they rose early. At the dawn of the day and marched around the city in the same manner seven times. It was only on that day that they marched around the city seven times. And on the seventh time, when the priests had blown the trumpets, Joshua said to the people, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city. And the city and all within it shall be devoted to the Lord for destruction. Skip down to verse 20. So the people shouted and the trumpets were blown. And as soon as they heard the sound of the trumpet, the people shouted out a great shout. And the wall fell down flat. 
so that the people went up to the city. Every man straight before him, they captured the city. They didn't stop at day six. They didn't lose hope. They didn't give in to the discourage of the moment for they knew that their God was a good God. They knew that their God was a promise, that their God was a God of promise, that their God was the God that was gonna be victorious. They knew without a shadow of a doubt that their God would conquer those walls in Jericho. Friend, our God is a good God. Our God is a God of promise. Our God is a God that is victorious according to his will. And our God will conquer the walls in your life. The question for you is simple. Do you trust him enough to not stop at six? Join me in prayer. Father God, as I think of my life, there are times where I've gotten to day six and I haven't seen the progress And God, I haven't had the eyes of faith to see that you are stronger, that you are more mighty, that you can see past any wall in my life. And so, Father, today, I pray in the name of Jesus for people that are struggling with the walls in their life, for people that cannot see past that wall, that their walls, that their blocked perspective, that everything seems as though nothing is happening. But God, I know that there is a plan, that there is a purpose for every single one of us here. And so, Father, for those that have been waiting, those that have been waiting with no answer, God, I thank you that you offer your word of encouragement to us that simply says, I'm still there. That simply says, don't give up. Don't stop at six. God, we're so excited to see day seven, but God, we know that you're working in day number one, day number two, day number three, day number four, day number five, day number six. And every single one of those steps, every single one of those days is so important according to your plan and according to your purpose. And so, Father, today, quite simply, I pray that we will not lose faith, that we will not be discouraged, that, God, we will see that we are stronger with you than without you, that, God, we will see who the author and perfecter of our faith is, and that, God, we will see that you have such a plan, that you have such a purpose for every single one of our lives. And, God, I pray in the name of Jesus today that, God, we will see our sin broken. We will see how you have saved us and how you are Lord of all, even in our walls. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.